This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much. Joining us this morning, the ultimate Leafs fan, uh, friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Wilson. Mike, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Doing great. How what are you guys? We're, we're doing great. What are you doing all your extra time this year? Uh, you did 89, uh, 89 games 89 last year. Games. And I understand you got a book coming up. Well, that's where all my time, boy, it's hard. And without the help of, uh, oh, this is the second one. The first one, I got some help from Paul Pascoe and uh, Lance Hornby. And Lance were, is working with this one on me. And But I'm spending, all, didn't see too much sunshine so far this summer because every day is spent uh, working on this. And I'm getting close. Uh, and Deb's being very patient with me at home while I'm spending all my time in that, on this. And the tables are all a mess with all the material screw all over the uh, tables and stuff. But uh, it, it's coming along, and uh, we're looking for a, a release of this in, early in the new year. We're certainly looking forward to it, and, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be some great stories in there. Of course, Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan, attended every single Toronto Maple Leafs game uh, last year, and he's got some fascinating stories. So we'll certainly... Uh, Ask you to keep us up to date from time to time about the release of that book, Mike. Uh, Naz, how does it take the opportunity at this point to to those of our listeners that aren't watching us uh, live video streaming, listening to us on the radio, uh, announce your sartorial selections for the morning. And uh, in honor of Bruce Smith and the Buffalo Bills, you've got your Buffalo Bills, Bruce Smith. Go Bills. Go Bills. So, uh, Naz, bring us... Really quickly, bring us up to speed on the Bills. Well, they were they were 1-0. They won last week 17-16, beating the Jets. And uh, the impressive part about it was they turned over the ball four times and still won the game. That usually doesn't happen. The defense is awesome. It'll be a really good year this year. I think they're going to be 4-0. Wow, that's pretty per- Game five against New England is going to be England. a big one. And uh, really quickly... Um, the the big question mark for the Bills, of course, the the the, gen, the young young man who's supposedly going to take them to the promised land. Of course, I'm talking about their quarterback, uh, Mr. Allen, I believe, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Um, how's he looking? He's looking pretty good. Uh, looked a little shaky on a couple of plays last week, but uh, came back very well, and he's a quality quarterback for sure. So he's uh, he's uh, certainly improving and yeah, uh, making real, strides. He's a real deal. He's a real deal. So yeah. uh, today they got the Giants in the Meadowlands, don't they? Yeah, the Giants. Uh, they have the Giants, and they have a couple of weak weak teams, and then they play New England week five. Certainly, uh, Naz and I are both Buffalo Bills fans, and we're not. Uh, we go back, uh, of course, the great days in the early nineties. I became a Buffalo Bills fan way before that in the old AFL days with Jack Kemp and uh, one of my early favorite receivers, Albert Dubinian. Uh, name. 
Oh, yeah. You remember that one, Mike? Oh, that's gone back. Yes. <laughs> uh, those those were great days back. The old War Memorial Stadium. You remember that one, Ness? Yeah, I do. Oh, my my favorite football player at that time was OJ Simpson. He was a big star. Well, he's a he's a he was not my favorite. He now, was but. he was the guy at USC. Anyways, Naz, you came in this morning. We're having a little chat about how to structure the show, and just so to give our our listeners a programming note, we've got uh, Michael Trakos, who's uh, been on our show quite a few times. He's a very respected senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network. He's going to be on right after our first break, and of course, that'll be the story. Uh, we had prepared the show one way, and then something happened uh, late in the week. Uh, uh, for all our Toronto Maple Leafs fans, I'm sure they know what I'm alluding to. Uh, Mitch Marner has signed for six years at $10.893 million. You like we, how they got the 93. <laughs> uh, we have to talk about that, and we've got Michael Trakos coming on the show, and we'll be having an extensive uh, Leafs chat uh, today. Uh, we're, getting, we're getting ready for the season. It's coming up soon, and people are starting to get excited in Leafland. But, Naz, you came in this morning, and uh, you got a couple of things you want to get off your chest. Uh, a couple one, of... one in particular. Okay. The, this, so this... I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Naz. Uh, um, I'll let how, you. How does Kuznetsov get four years with the IHF suspension and three games for cocaine in the NHL? How does that happen? Now, just to, just to be clear, um, the double IHF International Ice Hockey Federation gave him a four-year suspension. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not 100% certain on this. Was he tested positive? He was tested positive for cocaine. Okay. Uh, it wasn't just that there were allegations no. that uh, he was... Yeah, I can't see... Uh, them giving him a four-year suspension unless he did test positive, and um, that's our understanding. Um, and then the NHL, three games. Three games, yeah. Um, seems like a dis completely uh, disparate uh, meeting out of punishment. Um, what do you think Kuznetsov should have received? Um, presumably, he's He's tested to it or he's admitted it, whatever the circumstances are. First of it all, must he, have been serious for the for the double IHF to mete out four years of punishment. That's a pretty serious penalty. And the NHL, only three games. Uh, how does that make any the sense? Only, the only thing I can think of is the Players Association must be something in the contract for them not to be able to suspend the league, not to be able to suspend them for more in three games. But I, I I have a feeling that's what it is, but it seems wrong. It's like Borja Salmon, you remember Borja Salmon? He gets Mike he got suspended for twenty games. For what? what about Don Murdoch, the first one back with the Rangers? Cocaine. Refresh my memory. What yeah he admitted to using cocaine. Oh did he? Borja Salmon, yeah. Did he? I that completely that's completely escaped my memory. Um no, Don uh, Murdoch, murder, murder, murder Murdoch, and the, with the Rangers, with the cocaine, and got caught and was busted. What he get? Suspended. I don't know. I remember, but he got suspended he for half a year. I, I think, think I was saying. I was going to say it was like any, thirty or forty games. In any event, I would think that they um, there's probably. I agree, Naz. There's probably something in the collective bargaining agreement that deals with these things. Presumably, the sus the suspension was uh, was handed down by the commissioner's office. Yep. In the NHL and. Kuznetsov, if the penalty is ex 
if he doesn't agree with the penalty, presumably under the collective bargaining agreement, he has a, he has a right to challenge it or appeal it, um, presumably. Um, at three games, I would suspect he's not going to, he's probably going to consider himself fortunate. Let's ask this question. I, I know that cannabis and marijuana is legal in Canada uh, and in some U.S. states. Let's assume it wasn't legal. Um, should should a drug like cocaine be treated differently than than perhaps a drug like marijuana when marijuana wasn't legal? Is cocaine sort of I don't know, Mike. It seems it, to me like it's all it's all it's, it, drug. It's, it, cocaine's always been reputedly the the drug of choice for people with lots of money and celebrities and that type of thing. Well, I remember the old line. Has it they, lost its social <laughs> stigma? Well, I remember the old line: guys who do cocaine are just another proof that you're making too much money. Yeah, but has cocaine lost its because you know uh, you you if if it, if it's if it's illegal under the collective bargaining agreement to uh, be tested for. This type of a drug, um, not be tested, but to be found in your system, um, and you only get three games for it. Has is it lost its the social stigma that it's a it's a bad drug? Like three games seems trivial. It really it does. By the way, Murdoch had suspended for a year and it was reduced to forty games. For, okay, uh, so it's half half according to wonderful world of Google, which we have right at our fingertips. But here. that's has has, has uh, the perception about this well, drug changed I over mean, time? I, I, I mean, I can't speak to that personally because because I think my my own thoughts on that on that whole subject is that any drug use at all is is you know uh, a, a crime and 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 and, and, and especially somebody in the spotlight like most athletes are and you're you're set trying to set an example for youth and people around you and just for the well-being of your own health uh, i i think any kind of drug use is intolerable and should be a total suspension from the league and obviously significantly more than than three games three more than three games for sure especially if they have if if he tested positive cocaine as it's suggested and he was caught on film with a right in front of him and there were the lines there and he was you know didn't see him snorting it or whatever the hell he was doing but it was right there in front of him yeah i'm not exactly sure what he did i presume but it's significantly serious enough that he got a four-year suspension from the from the international high soccer so something happened (laughs) They, you know, they had, they had, they had some, you know, either he tested positive or they saw him in a video. You know, I've got to go back and double check it just to be 100% sure. And as I'm, you know, you've said he, he tested positive. I, you know, I have to, I'll accept that. I haven't read that anywhere, but I presume that's probably what happened. Now, Four does he, years. Does he go to drug rehab now? He has to go to drug rehab. But he would think. You would think, right? Anyways, uh, I, I found, like you, Naz, I, I found the disparity in, you know, I, uh, disparity in the pu- punishments. Uh, wow. Four years in one, in one, uh, in one body and three games in the other. I, I don't know how that makes any sense, but that's, that's the way it is. Talking about punishment, talking about behavior. Uh, it's the, it's the, it's the NFL's hundredth anniversary this year. And what are we talking about this week? We're not even talking about football. We're talking about uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, that story broke. Uh, you know, what, what a wild week in the world of Antonio Brown in the NFL. And the only thing they s- seem to be talking about is Antonio Brown. Um, the beginning last week, we talked on the show. We were shocked that Antonio Brown had been released 
by the Oakland Raiders. And apparently, was it three hours later, four hours later, he signs with the New England Patriots. And we suggested maybe there was a little bit of hanky panky there. Maybe there was a little bit of tampering, whether that story ever comes out, um, whether the commissioner's office is going to investigate that. Uh, how somebody suddenly signs three hours after they're released or four hours or whatever it was. It was certainly quickly. Uh, how that happens, you know, if an investigation is warranted on that respect, I'm sure Roger Goodell will think about it. But will he? two days later, um, sexual assault allegations. Allegations. Let's Let's be clear about that. Nothing's been proved and nothing has been admitted. Allegations against Antonio Brown, uh, his former trainer, three time, three three incidents of sexual assault, um, hasn't been charged criminally, uh, and probably will not be charged criminally because the criminal investigations usually happen before the civil suits. Um, but he's playing today, and that's all people are talking about. It's talking about Antonio Brown. That's where all the cameras are going to be today. Um, Commissioner Roger Goodell had the alternative to either suspend him or put him what they call, is it called it exempt status, where they can actually commissioner's put, list. Commissioner's list, they can put him on paid leave. But apparently he's playing today. Uh, Naz, is that is that appropriate I, in the circumstances? I don't think so. I understand that the NFL is uh, looking into this, and I've been interviewed both Antonio Brown and the uh, the accused, I don't know, the victim. And they're, they're still allowing him to play. It's very surprising to me that that's allowed. I don't get it. He shouldn't be playing at all. What should, what should the NFL do? Because nothing's been proved. These are allegations. A civil suit can last, well, civil suits, in, I don't know, in Canada can last forever. In the United States, apparently, they, they wind their way through the courts fairly quickly. It's, it's not like you see on TV. You don't file a suit and it's in court tomorrow. That's only, that's only on TV. Uh, so this, this case may not end up in court. If it ever ends up in court and it doesn't get settled, uh, where most civil suits usually get settled, but it could not, it may not go to court for two to three years. What's, what's Goodell supposed to do in the circumstances? Because in the meantime, you've got unproven allegations. Well, I mean, I, you know, the first thing that, that Goodell has to do is get some backbone because this is the common theme of the NFL that doesn't, they just get run. The, the, the problem you have in, in this whole bigger picture thing is that you have the inmates running the asylum and all these things that I mean, look at that, that charge a couple of years ago with the video in the, in the elevator and their player beating on his girlfriend or wife or fiance or who was at the time. They were going to do nothing until the public outcry forced them to do something and suspend a player. So until the NFL actually sets the ground rules a little tougher and takes a stance. All this nonsense is going to continue. Now, never mind the sexual harassment or abuse charges that are against him. What about all the stuff that was going on before with him swearing and screaming at his manager and calling him all kinds of names and all the annex he was putting on with the football helmet and all these things? I mean, it was just it's embarrassing for a professional athlete to act like that. But they know they can get away with it. And it's the same as whether they're right or whether they're wrong. All these players that are, you know, embarrassing the league with this kneeling protest or whatever they're, they, they, they want to stand for, you know, th- like you guys are in the workforce and you know, in business, if your boss lays the ground rules down to do something, you do it, you don't work there. So the simple yeah, the, rea- the reality be, is, 
yeah. this is our rules. If you and don't abide live by, by our them. rules, go and do something else, yeah, whether I, you're right or whether you're wrong. And here's the thing. A guy like this Antonio Brown, who's an embarrassment to professional athletes, so just total embarrassment, uh, he and a clown. This guy, if he had such a stance for a football helmet that he wanted to wear and he wanted to continue with it, why did he wait? till he had full stage at training camp to make his protest. Why wasn't he in front of the NFL offices in the offseason? Because it's all about them. And same with these guys that are protesting about about the kneeling. Why were they not going around the country as a group, going to different police stations and enforcement? And we we can have that debate, and I I can argue that one both sides. But you know why they do it, because they have a forum. They're never going to have a forum. And they can get away with it. And, And... and they plead their First Amendment rights. So my rights. whole point is, what are the real intentions? But, but, but that's you know that's where we get into the into the. In, there's a really serious friction about in the United States about somebody's First Amendment rights, and if and they can say or whatever they do. My theory on those things has been, you know, when you show up to work, show up to work. So that's my whole point. Um, you want to you want to exercise your First Amendment rights. You know, you can. You've got. You've got. Um, Six days the rest of the week to do it. Listen, you don't, son, ha- you don't have to do it in those in that in those three hours when you report for work. I know there's a, I'll get criticized for that, but uh, and reasonable people can have reasonable debates on that. I mean, uh, I, like I said, I can argue that one from both sides, but they take advantage of their form. Like, well, my son told me when this Antonio Brown stuff is going on originally. I mean, these are the kids. The kids all follow this stuff. He said, you know, it's going to happen, Dad. This guy's going to act up. They're going to cut him, and the Patriots will sign him. He called that a week before <laughs> that. I, he was, I was kind of shocked when the Patriots signed him. But, um, but apparently there's a story. I, I, know, I know. Given given this, given Antonio Brown's antics, you know, which I've had the opportunity to read a few more of them this week, <laughs> aside from the, the sexual assault allegations, um, he, you know, he's, um, uh, he's, he's, he's littered the trail with, with bad behavior. By the way, his agent said they were aware of the, that situation behind the scenes that was coming at them. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, was there, and this is only a suggestion, was this about money all of a sudden, looking for money or yeah, trying I, to get a money grab of some sort, and they, they wouldn't play, pay, so all of a sudden it becomes public the day he ends up in New England? Yeah, I, mean, I guess my central theory on this, being based on my professional background, is, you know, I, I don't think the, I, you know, at the end of the day, he's an employee. Exactly. But, right? He's an employee, right? And when he reports for work, there's certain rules and codes of behavior that are expected and and certain codes of behavior that are expected outside of your place of employment um and if you do anything that that Im- impairs your your employer's brand or or der- or uh, in you know uh, causes the employer um to, to to have a bad reputation if you're damaging your employer's reputation by your behavior then in certain ways it's an employment issue too, isn't it? So that comes like back why are they why are, why are you, why are these people different because they're football players? So that comes players? back to my point. So why right? are just these because guys you're a football player, you can do whatever you want. So that makes my point. So why are they allowed to do this? But right. that, that, that poor kid. Remember, we had this discussion on the show, and we got to go to break really quickly because we got Michael Trakos coming. Remember that poor kid that came out of the um, was watching the TFC game, and he said something stupid to the reporter. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Okay, and and it was insulting. And it was. It was, you know, nothing that I want to repeat on the air. And he got fired. He yeah. got fired for that one incident 
because his employer, Ontario Hydro, said as soon as they reported that he was an Ontario Hydro, I think it was Ontario Hydro, I may be wrong, but as soon as it was reported who the employer was, the employer says, you know what, I don't want to be a so this this is not how I want my employees acting in public. Well, the guy and he the, got canned. The guy threw the, the beer can right? at the blue right? game. And he got canned by his employer because he said one stupid thing on a camera. I don't know. Are football players subject to different rules? They can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. How come New England, New England gets all these guys? <laughs> Anyways. Is there a reason? Well, there's uh, a rumor that he had hired a marketing firm to teach him how to uh, get out of his contract. Because remember, I, I've, I've said it as – yeah, go New ahead. New England tried to trade for him, by the way. They offered him a first-round pick, and but they wouldn't trade within the division. So they end up trading about West. So he actually wanted to play back with that team. So there's a whole conspiracy theory that this was all prearranged. Yeah, and I've said, you know what? You you go into the public limelight, whatever you are, you're a celebrity, you're a sports athlete, you have to understand something. Um, you're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether you like it or not. And everybody, everybody that you run across every single minute of the day has a camera and a voice recorder. So you better watch what you do and you better watch what you say. And if you can't understand that, you know what, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And that's just the modern world, whether we like it or not. Well, but until the leagues step up and, and lay the yeah. groundwork down and make an example of one of these guys, it's going to get worse. Anyways, that's and you know, they've got rights under the collective bargaining agreement. We, this is an interesting debate. We'll carry it on at some point in time. Uh, but we've got to talk about the Leafs. <laughs> and we got Michael Trakos coming up, senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network. We'll be right back. Not here to be nice, they're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto. We're also on 96.7 FM. Live video streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're hoping to have on Michael Trakos. We're uh, having difficulty connecting with him this morning. We'll certainly keep trying, but uh, there's no shortage of things to talk about, gentlemen. And uh, uh, the the Toronto Maple Leaf season, the NHL season, will be starting in how many days, Nas? You keep track of it. It's, it's October second. <laughs> it's the opener. Yeah. So we're Ottawa. not we're not far away. We're at the training camp. I understand they're in Newfoundland. Seventeen days. Seventeen days. It's right around the corner, and we were all ready to talk about uh, the Mitch Marner negotiations and when they were going to come to an end, and they did come to an end. Uh, Friday uh, was it Friday night or Friday or Saturday? Friday, Seven p.m. Seven p.m. Mitch Marner signed a six-year contract, $10.893 million. The Toronto Maple Leafs now have three of the top seven highest-paid players in the league. They have the top, in terms of their top four, uh, over $40 million. No other team, I believe, is paying their top four that much. And... Um, what do you think about it? Well, you knew they were going to sign him, but he didn't sign until when the press came out with the, the offer the Leafs made. He signed pretty quickly after that. Uh, publicity was not good for coming out for Marner at all, right? Well, no, because they, you know you're dealing you're dealing in a marketplace that that the people are very passionate about a hockey club. But you got to remember this first and foremost, that the people in this city and the people that follow this team, and I know this is no cliche, cheer for the crest on the front, not the name in the back. 
I mean, the people here that follow this hockey club have been following it long before Mitch Marner was born, and they'll be following it long after he's gone. So for somebody to be, if the numbers are correct, and what we're getting is the correct information, and nobody denied the numbers that were put out there the day before training camp started. If you're turning down $100 million in an environment like today to, to, to squeeze a team for an extra million dollars, I mean, at that level, our level, that changes our lives. But at that level, especially with his off-ice endorsement of possibilities and potential, people are going to turn on you. And the, the, the social media was not kind but- to him. Let me ask, uh, let me play devil's advocate for just a second. Sure. People are going to turn on you. Uh, well, let me finish well, my comment. Yeah, you go ahead. Comment. So my comment is, because now all of a sudden, you've gone from the lovable schoolboy image that everybody can relate to and loves with the big smile and the friendly way he played, and he played the game, looking like he would play the game for fun when you're out in the street playing with kids. Now all of a sudden, you get this persona that you're now just another greedy athlete that's putting yourself forward. Why, because why, Mike, let, let me step in, and you, you know, well, let me finish, I, and I, then okay, you can you can make your comment. Please, uh, you know, but the point being is this: is then all of a sudden you put yourself in that persona because now the expectations bar is raised to another whole level. Because if you're going to put yourself in that category. You better deliver day in and day out. And the point being is now the fans are the expectations are going to be. You better score a goal and assist, be a dominating factor every game. And the part that people are missing also is the fact that, you know, here's this kid who played with Tavares last year, and everybody talked about Tavares being the benefiter of playing with Marner. But Tavares' numbers went up three points, and he's a proven player over nine years in his career, consistently getting 80 points every year. Marner's a 60-point guy for two years, 94 points last year. His point total increased 25 points. So who benefited from who? So the whole onus now goes on him to deliver, and that puts the mindset of the fan base in a much different perspective. As a fan, um, I mean, let's talk about greedy athletes. Um, and we go back to the point we just discussed. These athletes are employees. Mm-hmm. So why do I care that they squeeze every last dime out that they can from a company that's worth billions of dollars? Because there's a why do I care? What, what, I get that part of it, but there everybody's competing for the same slice of the same. The pie is only so big. So Mitch Marner wants to squeeze every last dime out that he can. Why do I care? No, good, but we're not talking f- about good for him. We're not talking about him getting paid yeah. one million dollars when he deserves six. We're talking about a guy getting paid close to eleven, and he won eleven point five or eleven point six. Okay, you're talking about pennies. You're talking about lunch money. Isn't at the that end of the ju- day. isn't that just the negotiation? No, that's an ego. Well, they all have ego. They all, they all, they all, they or their agents have lots of ego, and and they, 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 you know, William Nylander took the Leafs till five minutes before the deadline. Yeah, he took the Leafs to five minutes before the deadline, and I don't know who caved on that negotiation. I don't think. I, I Doesn't think matter. At the end of the day, they both caved, right? Because they both made the deal. Well, look what happened to him. But I. As as a fan, would would I prefer Mitch Marner sign at six million dollars a year, and then we've got whatever eight million, nine million? You know, he squeezed out the last time he could. Is that good for the team? I don't think he's worth. I like. Well, why does? What difference does it make whether it's good for the team John or not? Tavares left eleven million dollars on the table by signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and maybe even more money. They may have paid him more in Long Island they to come home and play. Team. Beca- so there you. I mean, he left. So there's another twelve million dollars <clears throat> he left on the table. Fourteen million dollars left on the table to come home and play. And here's the part about it: if the the kid is so good, and he listen, he is a dynamic player, and I watched him intently last year, thirty nine games and practices, and his skill level is off the charts, no question. But if he's that good, in six, seven years, 
he gets to do it again. And he'll be the same age, roughly, that Tavares was, who just signed a $77 million contract with the Leafs. He'll do it again. Here's the reality. In terms of professional sports, uh, the best hockey players, the best hockey players in the world are making nowhere near. They're making half. They're making a quarter, quarter what the best NBA players make. Uh, maybe a third of what the best uh, best baseball players make, and probably the same, a third of what the best football players make. So $11 million in a relative sense may seem like a lot of money in the hockey perspective, but in the professional sports perspective, my guess is these guys are hoping someday they're going to be making 15, 16, 17 million. Well, they won't unless they get a TV well, contract you have, equivalent to those you, you gotta, teams you, those you, you just mentioned. you got to pop the revenues up. And my theory on this whole Marner negotiation, my, my, the only thing that makes sense from a global perspective is Dubas and who's the cap expert? Is it Pridham? Brandon Pridham? I think that's his name, yes, isn't it? He's supposed to be the smartest money guy in the entire National Hockey League. I have no doubts that he is. Dubas seems like a pretty bright guy. Um, they have made the only way this makes any sense is they either they're rolling the dice. They made a judgment that the salary that the salary cap the revenues are going to increase and the salary cap is going to be up to 100 million bucks when some of these when some of these contracts he's got to roll over in the next two or three years. Well, it's not otherwise, questions. otherwise. You, you you can kiss some of the other guys goodbye. Well, it's no coincidence your three top guys are five, six, seven-year contract terms. Okay, I'm going to so. have to interrupt you there, Mike, because oh. apparently we have uh, we have Michael Trakos on the line, and uh, we want to take the opportunity of having every single minute we can possibly have with Michael. Michael, good morning. How are you? Uh, pretty good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, we're talking to Michael Trakos, senior hockey writer for Post Media. You can find him in uh, all the Sun newspapers, Toronto Sun, National Post. Mike, we thought we were going to have one show today, and we ended up with another show. Uh, we thought we were going to talking about. We thought we'd be talking about Mitch Marner's uh, holdout. Instead, we're talking about Mitch Marner's contract. Um, your thoughts on uh, what transpired at the end of the week and getting. Getting Mitch uh, Mitch's signature on a, on a contract. Your thoughts? Yeah, I just think it was inevitable. And whether it happened uh, this week or a month from now or two months from now, I don't think the numbers were going to look uh, any different. I think both sides realized that, um, well, especially Marner's camp realized that or, or was adamant about um, wanting a certain number, um, beginning with a one and either having a zero next to it or another one after that. Um, I think the main sticking point, um, as we saw this go along, was the term. Um, after Matthews got five years, I heard from Matthews' camp, or sorry, from Marner's camp, that they were looking at a similar term. And the idea that they were, the Leafs were going to get Marner signed for eight years or seven years was just, um, it was unrealistic. So, you know, they get one extra year than Matthews. I think that's going to help the Leafs in terms of staggering the contracts. Basically, he's expiring. Uh, his deal expires at the same time as John Tavares's, which is fine. By that point, Tavares is probably uh, no longer going to be with the Leafs, and Marner's going to be looking at an extension, uh, hopefully, if you're a Leaf fan. But, no, it makes sense. Um, I think all along I saw this as, you know, Matthews and Marner being a Taze-Kane situation where um, you can slice and dice, argue which way or which the other, but at the end of the day, these guys are very similar in the terms of how important they are to the Leafs offense and just overall uh, importance to the team. And 
Um, whether one's a center, one's a winger, whether one's a goal scorer, the other one's a playmaker, in my mind, doesn't matter. Um, they're both just so valuable. And having them both locked up now for five and six years, um, you know, it's up to them now to get the job done. Michael, how did the Winnipeg Jets sign their two guys? They're going to be in, they're in deep trouble, I think. I think so, too. And, you know, I, I think it's a little harder, you know, guys, um, especially with Patrick Laine. Um He's just been so wildly inconsistent. Like, obviously, when he's scoring, you think he's the next coming of Alex Ovechkin. But to Alex Ovechkin's credit, when he's not scoring, he's still noticeable, whether he's throwing big hits or still peppering shots on net. With Line A, when the stick goes cold, man, his whole overall game goes cold, and you're just not noticing him. So I think the Jets are really kind of debating how important he is to the team. And there's the argument to be made that a guy like Kyle Connor is even more valuable based on what he was able to do last year on that top line with Shifley and Wheeler. And uh, the caveat is he's playing with Shifley and Wheeler, and how much do you value their input in terms of how it was related? But I almost foresee a bridge deal uh, coming for line A, and I don't think that's what he wants, but I, I, I just think that makes the most sense to see what kind of player he is. Is he just going to be one of those snipers that, like I said, goes hot and cold, or is he going to be a guy where the overall game really rounds out? Michael, there seems to be a riff with Maurice and Lonnie. Do you uh, see that? No, but, you know, I, I, in my book that I wrote uh, a year ago, um, just tracing the development of a lot of these young stars, which gives me a lot of insight at this time of year, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, Lainez was really interesting in the sense that this is a guy that I'm not going to say he and coaches never get along, but there's always a rift, it seems like with his coaching staff. And I don't think that's just a matter of this guy is uncoachable. I just think knowing from, knowing line A, knowing all those around him, this guy is his own worst enemy. And when things aren't going right and he has no confidence, he is a miserable old guy to be around. He's not a good teammate. And it's not like he's doing it maliciously. He's just, he goes into a Charlie Brown type funk. And, and then a hockey team, you can't do that. It's, this isn't baseball where if you're slumping and you, you can show it and, um, doesn't matter what you do because it's all individuals. Um, he, this is a guy that I think Maurice really is challenged by in the sense that, you know, like I said, if his confidence isn't going, he's not scoring. Maurice can't get him to do the other things that he still needs to do. And it's, I, I think Lionel starts cheating a bit more. And I think Lionel gets frustrated in the sense that Maurice isn't maybe giving him the ice time to get out of that funk. And it's just one of those things that spirals out of control. So. Whether it's Maurice, whether it's Mike Babcock, or you know, you can get Scotty Bowman coaching this guy, he's going to have an issue with his coach. Um, but it's not the coach; it's just he's got an issue with um, his own self, and it just kind of bleeds into that. We're talking to Michael Trakos, Michael Trakos, uh, senior hockey writer. Uh, great article in the Toronto Sun today, Michael. Uh, full page spread on the, uh, page four of the sports section in the Toronto Sun. I highly encourage our listeners to pick it up. Uh, Michael Trakos breaks down. Money matters. Maple Leaf salary imbalance a problem if cap remains stagnant. Uh, what do you mean by that, Michael? Well, it doesn't take a rocket science uh, <laughs> or a mathematician to figure out that, you know, with Marner, Matthews, and Tavares and Newlander, four forwards, eating up almost 50% of your cap right there. Um, it's going to be really hard for Kyle Dubas, especially in a year from now when basically every defenseman uh, his contract expires um, to really round out a roster that is going to be competitive, not just to win the Stanley Cup, but to make the playoffs year after year after year. Like they basically, and this is what I wrote, they have a Chicago Blackhawks problem, except 
Blackhawks won three cups, and this is a team that hasn't even got into the first round. So usually these problems happen after you've had success, and after that, guys are wanting raises. But, you know, the Leafs, you know, I, I know it's a young team. I know we're talking about guys who are 20, 21 years old, but, or 22 years old. But a really, a window has already closed in the sense that this team needed to take advantage of the fact that Matthews and Marner were on entry-level contracts and producing at a level where they should be getting paid $11 million. Well, now they're getting paid how much they're actually worth. But how are you supposed to round out a roster when you've got so much money tied up, really? And well, let's extend it to Riley and Anderson. Well, that's five players there making a bulkier of, of the salary cap. And unless the salary cap goes up to $120 million in the next couple of years, this is a team that's going to, like I said, be hard-pressed to find you know capable defensemen to round up that roster. And two years from now, Frederick Anderson's also got coming up on a deal. And if he keeps playing the way he is, he's looking at a major, major pay raise. And I don't know how you make it all fit. Well, this is, I mean, hi, Mike, it's Mike Wilson. The, um, I, I think this is a, the, the, the thing that, that this point is the method to the madness that the Maple Leafs have in going in today's league that's a win-now league is the fact that you'll worry about that when you get to it. I, I remember laughing last year, listening to everybody talk about, and when I traveled throughout the league, talking to everybody and how, how are they ever not going to be able to sign these guys that were going to lose one or both or all this stuff going on. Now they've got them all under the fold. The key to the answer to, to what we're discussing here is this, is you've got to find the next Matthews, the next minor that are playing in the minors or playing in junior hockey, wherever they are. Good luck. Well, you know what? That's <laughs> no, what they said the before. They... First overall, how do you find the next? Well, no, <laughs> you luck. know what I mean. Yeah. You got to, you, you've, you've got to build you gotta up. get overachievers. So why do you think they've signed all these players to basically those uh, minimum salary contracts? And you've got eight guys under those contracts. You create competition. You build from within. You've got your star players to take the money, and the guys that are going to win it for you. The bottom six forward, and that's six to eight defensemen, and those are the guys you're going to find. You're developing the goaltender position, which was a problem last year and cost them second place overall with their backup. you got two veterans that are going to compete for the job this year. you got a couple of young kids coming up that have real strong ability. So there's where the job that Dubas is really going to have is to find those next guys coming up to fill those slots. And that's how you win. And it's a win now league, as I said at the beginning of this. And I, I have no problem with what they're doing. No, and you know, it's a great problem to have, Mike. And like I wrote in the article, like find me a GM that doesn't want to have to pay their players for what they're worth. Like it doesn't happen. Like the ones you rue, the ones that you kind of regret are the ones where you give a contract out and didn't perform. But, you know, handing Marner, uh, you know, giving him a a $10 million uh, cap hit. Um, after he puts up 94 points, and that's one you're happily writing. If, if Marner was coming off a bad year and you had to do that, that's when you're saying to yourself, what am I doing here? So I'm with you. Like, um, you know, you're never going to – there's not going to be any hand-wringing over the years as to what Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Riley make because those are the guys that are really buttering your bread. Like, they're going to carry your load. You're never going to be complaining about those guys in the sense that um, they're not earning their keep. The guys that really, this is like you mentioned, this is Dubas's challenge now, and this is Dubas's responsibility is finding those complementary players. And whether it's a Jason Spets on a one-year show-me contract, or like you said, you're taking a chance on a guy in the minors, or you're finding those diamonds in the rough. Well, Dubas has got to find a lot <laughs> of diamonds in the rough now because he doesn't have the cap space to kind of just go out and pay for the next big free agent. Mike. It's a problem. Like, look at St. Louis. Look at Boston. How many players do they have making seven or eight million dollars a year? None. Like, 
None. You need depth to win in this None. NHL, and we'll see if the Leafs can do it. But um, like I said, the, the onus now goes to Dubas. It doesn't go to Myron Matthews. We know they're going to produce. This isn't a secret. This isn't a, oh, will they produce? No, we're, they're going to be stars of the game. It's can Dubas find those secondary players? Michael, um, just a couple of minutes left, and uh, since since Marner signed, uh, everybody signed. We're getting ready for the season. We still have to find something to to speculate about. So uh-huh. the, the next big issue, of course, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, because you know, in Leaf Nation, we need to have some controversy of some kind to keep things going. Um, and of course, now we're talking about the captaincy. That's for some reason that seems to have become uh, the next controversy in Leaf Nation, and uh, the. There seems to be a split between uh, the Matthews camp and the Tavares camp. And uh, there's, you know, zillions of people in Newfoundland wearing Matthews sweaters and with C's on them. And uh, Tavares uh, has has his supporters. Uh, what's your sense of the situation? And uh, uh, is it is it really that important? I don't think it's really that important. I think Matthews is going to get it. Just because he's your guy, you're going to go, you know, you're going to live and die with how good he is as a player. I think he's your, your Sidney Crosby, your Jonathan Tays, um, he's your Alex Ovechkin. He, if he's going, the team's going. So enough said. That being said, I really think that the right choice would be Morgan Riley. And I think it's just because this guy is a maturity, um, has a level headedness, has a comfort, comfortability in front of the cameras um, that goes beyond any player on the team. Um, I think that's the main thing about being a captain. And I think it's the one thing that we sometimes overlook is forget about what you are inside the dressing room. A captain's what you are outside the dressing room. And when you're having to talk about a six game losing streak or uh, a 10 game scoreless streak, you don't want Matthews um, having to constantly be brought out in front of the cameras and dealing with that kind of pressure, that kind of burden. We see what it does to Connor McDavid. It, it can eat a guy up. And even a guy like Joe Thornton got eaten up by being the captain in Boston. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to bring that on upon Matthews. Riley, on the other hand, this is a guy that wasn't, on a Leafs team that was the worst in the league for many years, the Peter Kohorchek era, the Phil Tessa era. Um, but he's also been there for the good as well. And like I said, um, I think this is the Norris Trophy candidate in the waiting. And, you know, if you want to take some burden off those forwards, give it to Riley and just let him deal with it. Michael, what do you think of must, the mustache with uh, Matt? <laughs> I like it. I like it. You know, I, I wrote about this last week. I think it's great that the NHL players are finally showing a bit of personality and that they're not just so wooden anymore. So, yeah, you know, whether you like it or not, give the guy props for just trying something new. He looks like the Fido Bandito. Yeah. <laughs> Pablo Escobar, right? I, I got to say, <laughs> I got to say some of the, uh, some of the, some of the commercials with some of the young guys, uh, Nylander and uh, Matthews and Marner, they're pretty, they're pretty cool. And you know what? I, I've said it a zillion times, you know, you gotta, you want to, you want to grow the game. You want to, create fan identification, you know, create nicknames for these guys, make them personal, create personalities mm-hmm. for them. So much of that is lost in professional sports where they're, you know, they, they're scared to smile. Fun, man. Yeah. It's, it's all about having fun. And, uh, 
Yeah, certainly. Uh, if we can get, uh, it seems like the young, you know, we can we can criticize Dubas and Pridham and Shanahan and whoever else all you want, but uh, seems like the uh, the four guys they're building uh, building the franchise or five guys or six guys if you want to expand to Riley and uh, perhaps to Anderson or whatever. Um, they seem like they seem like pretty cool. Most of them seem like pretty cool. Uh, Tavares is a pretty serious, uh, uh, steady. He's he's sort of the steady guy, classy guy. And the rest of them, they're having, they're having fun, and that rubs yeah. off on the fans. And nothing's better than that. Well, yeah, and, you know what? And, and you're building around guys who are legit stars. This is, this isn't you know giving enough and Kessel contracts to be your core guys and saying you're going to win and die with them. I think everyone kind of thought through that when you're looking at what the Leafs have in their core. Every team would, would love to have this. And if it's going to cost you X amount of dollars, well, it might be worth it because what's the alternative to have a team of a bunch of nobodies that you're just kind of you got question marks all over the roster? So, you know, at least there's a rhyme to the reason. And like I said, you don't mind paying. It's almost like when you, you pay for quality, right? You don't mind paying for quality yeah. if, if you know you're getting something in return. Well, at least you're getting something in return here. We've been talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, we're just about to run out of time. Uh, I just want to remind our listeners, uh, pick up the Toronto Sun today. Uh, it's a great article by Michael. Uh, he really breaks down the Maple Leaf salary uh, salary imbalance, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, that's what the headline is. Uh, but Michael goes through the whole analysis of where the Leafs are at in terms of their money. And I highly recommend to our listeners uh, they pick up that article. It's great reading. Michael, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, we re- we really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Michael. Have a great day. Uh, Naz. Uh, I had to come up with the mustache because that, that's a classic. <laughs> okay. Think? So let's, we got, we got one minute before we got to take our second break, but uh, I, I, wa- I want to scan the table here. Uh, Naz, who do you think should be the captain? I think it should be John Tavares. <laughs> uh, Mr. Wilson, the ultimate Leafs fan, who do you think should be the captain? Well, I think it should be John Tavares with, uh, you know, Matthews in waiting, but it'll be Matthews. It'll be, that's the popular yeah. choice. I, I, I'll throw my two cents worth in. I had a big argument with my buddies playing golf yesterday morning, and uh, they were all Austin Matthews uh, supporters. I think Tavares... Uh, to me, has shown me more leadership ability than Matthews at this stage, based on last year. Uh, I think Tavares should be the captain with the uh, with the with as you say with uh, Matthews in waiting. But I agree with uh, with you, gentlemen. I think it's going to be Austin Matthews for a lot of different reasons, and we can continue to have that debate. We've got to go to break, and then we'll be back. Uh, wrap it up in the last five minutes of the show. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. we got about five minutes left here in studio. Of course, my co-host Naz Marchese also helping us out this morning, the Ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson. Uh, might as well, let's keep this uh, Leaf talk going because we're all getting excited. Uh, Marner is signed. We lost Gardner. Uh, he went to Carolina, signed with Carolina, approximately $4 million. I think it was four he years. He took down $15 million with, with the Habs. He took down more money for less term, though. He took, I, I believe he received an extra year with Carolina. Uh, I was, quite frankly, uh, until I was reminded of the Leafs' salary cap problems, um, I was, uh, I was kind of shocked that Gardner left town for $4 million a year 
if he was willing to sign for four million dollars a year with the Leafs, I would have thought that the Leafs would have signed him. Uh, he's not a bad hockey player. He's excellent in certain circumstances. Um, any surprise that Gardner signed for what I perceived, and I know all the criticisms about him. Naz, we can talk till we're blue in the face. Um, four million dollars didn't seem like uh, a huge amount of money. So. Yeah, but they had already uh, made their plans with. Didn't uh, have any money for yeah, him, right? Mike, Very is that your sense? Tight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, again, this comes back to what we were discussing before. Here's a guy that was talked to be the Leafs couldn't afford to keep him six, eight months ago. Six, seven million dollar player. He was going to get six or seven years automatic from anybody throughout the league. All of a sudden, a little back issue the last couple of months of the season cuts his yeah. worth to four million dollars. He, he's getting less than he got paid in Toronto. And it came out that Montreal offered him a, a buck and a quarter more per year. But it goes to show you once again. Why you turn it down guaranteed money? Exactly. Uh, another. Uh, let's move on to some of the new players we're going to see with the Leafs. Um, as Howard Cosell used to say, uh, used to call these old guys that they bring in, used to call them reclamation projects. Uh, Jason Spezza. I thought that was a great move at seven hundred thousand a year or whatever a, it is on a one year. Fantastic for their power play. I think he's still got game. Um, for really, with third good. or fourth line center, yeah, ten minutes a four. game. Fourth line center, ten minutes a game. Good, good, uh, good face on faceoffs. Yeah, faceoff. Uh, power play guy probably will be rejuvenated a bit by playing in his hometown. Um, I, I think that move could end up looking really good. Well, all those moves are see. See, the second part of this. This is one of the strengths. If we just shift gears for a second to the Blue Jays with Alex Anthopoulos bringing in players like this, because what you're doing is they're not a rec- you know they're not a, a reclaim or a project. What they are is they're giving these guys another opportunity to extend their careers. They play well here. They're going to move forward. So the benefit for the Leafs is you're creating competition with the eight guys they sign. And if two of them work out, it's a bonus. But in the meantime, these guys have an opportunity to play somewhere else. So they're going to come in guns a-blazing. So I think this is a brilliant move on the Maple Leafs' part. We haven't, we haven't had a chance to talk about Kadri for Tyson Berry. Um, I think that's a good move. What do you think, Ness? They, they needed a right-handed defenseman, and they got him, right? Berry's a very quick player, but he gives the puck away a lot, too. He's an offensive player, so bear, bear with me. But him. yes, doesn't Tyson Berry have a history of playing with Jake Muzzin? And uh, didn't World he play Cup. in the World Cup, Canada? Yeah. They've played together. They play together. So, you know, uh, Barry's got enough talent to uh, enough talent to be asked to go overseas and well, play with. It takes the pressure off Roddy, too. Right. So uh, so we've got uh, we've got Tyson Barry, Cody Cece. That's just an equal Ron Hainsey for Cody Cece. He struggled in Ottawa. From what, Did from he? What well, he was the gardener of Ottawa. Anyways, a uh, minute left. Uh, Want to say something? Uh, important, uh, Mike. You're, you're uh, you've been kind to join us this morning. Uh, Mike's father, Ernie Wilson, is in Sunnybrook Hospital, 88 years old. Uh, I know Ernie. You're probably listening. I think Mike's tearing up as I say huh. this. Uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, I know you're uh, dealing with some challenges there, uh, but uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you, Ernie, and. Uh, um, we wish you uh, we wish you a speedy recovery if at all possible. Yep, he'll he'll hang in there. I'll tell you. Yeah, I know. I know uh, how heartfelt this is for you, Mike. So, Ernie, hang in there, my friend. We wish you all the best. Naz, we always give you the last word. Go Bills. Okay, as usual, <laughs> they're going to need it today. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, guys. All the best to our listeners. We'll be back again next Sunday morning.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.